the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the Word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the show. Welcome to a new week, although this is the last day of October. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and this is the Word to Stand Up for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering your questions, questions about the Bible, questions about stuff going on in your life, whatever is on your heart. All you need to do is call us, 210-340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. That's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com. Or you can use our free Calvary Chapel mobile app and send your question that way. And remember, as always, if you're driving in your car, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the call now banner at the top of the screen, and you'll be connected directly to our studio producer. I always like Mondays. My voice is a little tired, and my brain isn't working quite as good. Uh, but I, I just love uh, what happens at church. I hope you had a great day. Uh, wherever you go to church yesterday, I pray that people got saved. Every time somebody gets saved, we're one person closer to Jesus coming back for us. And that can't be fast enough for me. We had a really good day here yesterday. We closed out the book of Mark or the Gospel of Mark. And I'm actually going to be starting in the book of Acts uh, this coming Sunday. So if you want to get sort of the roots of the church, that's where you can get it. We'll be doing that on Sundays now, probably for a little bit over a year. Uh, tonight here at Calvary Chapel, we've got some stuff going on. Our men's, women's, and youth Bible studies all beginning at 7 o'clock. Paul is going to be teaching the ladies. Ladies, you can watch that at calvarysa.com. It's always better to be here. You can be part of the conversation that happens after uh, the teaching. Um, of course, our youth pastors will be here for junior high and high school age kids. And uh, Pastor Ken, of course, will be teaching the men. For now, let's just get to some questions while we await your phone calls. We'd love you to call. The first question is from Lance. He says, Pastor Ron, uh, is it true that older that the older a manuscript is, the more reliable or authentic it is? Lance, that's the prevailing thought. Now, I'm going to tell you at the beginning here, and I'll explain that a little bit in a moment. I don't agree with that necessarily. Um, uh, there, there's not a huge age difference between the, the majority texts or the Alexandrian texts, for example. Um, but but I don't think it's true. What you will see in your Bibles is older or more reliable manuscripts. Uh, don't include this. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the idea that just because it's old, it's better. Uh, our Bibles, and I don't think people really understand this adequately, our Bibles are representative transcripts of whatever manuscripts they're copying. Um, the majority manuscripts or Texas Receptus uh, is um, uh, not quite as old as the Alexandrian manuscripts, 
But the translators are simply trying to um, fairly represent what those manuscripts say, whether it's the newer manuscripts or the older manuscripts. And I just don't believe that it's necessarily true that just because something is a little bit older uh, that it is more valuable. It's just different, that's all. And, and Lance, one other thing. This is really an argument or a debate that doesn't need to be had. Um, where you're looking at the King James and the New King James, uh, those are the majority manuscripts. Those are wonderful manuscripts, and they are tried, and they are true, and they are proven over over centuries and centuries worth of time. Um, the Alexandrian manuscripts, I teach out of the 1984 NIV. Uh, that comes from the newer, tra- or from, I'm sorry, from the older transcripts, the, man- the Alexandrian manuscripts. And it is a wonderful um, translation of those, a faithful translation of those manuscripts. And there's really no difficulty. And people say, well, you know, the newer transcripts or manuscripts rather are are trying to, uh, they're leaving stuff out. They're not, because what they do, every one of the manuscripts, if they leave something out because it's not in that manuscript, they make a note of it. So you can follow it. It's not trying to hide anything. Uh, And uh, it's simply, to me, uh, uh, a silly argument to have uh, an unnecessary debate. You know, Lance, yesterday in our Bible study, we finished Mark chapter 16, and um, that's one of those disputed texts. Um, um, the older manuscripts will say uh, that it doesn't really belong there because they don't believe it was uh, included in uh, by Mark or by the author. Uh, and yet there's nothing in that disputed text that would be uh, a contradiction to any other scripture that's out there. So the fact that what was in there wasn't in there, well, the, the, the reality is it was there for the Texas receptive set of manuscripts, and it's not there in the Alexandrian manuscripts. And remember, the translators are simply trying to be faithful in their translation to the manuscripts that they're using. So I just don't buy that argument, Lance, uh, and, and I say that as someone who uses the older manuscript um, um, typically when we're when we're teaching the Bible here at Calvary Chapel. We can de- uh, we can rely on our Bibles. If you are a um, Texas Receptus man, uh, uh, King James or New King James, God bless you. They're really, really great translations. And if you use a newer translation, the NIV, um, and, and again, I always say this, not the 2011 NIV, that's a terrible translation. But a 1984 NIV, an ESV, or an NASB, um, those are wonderful translations as well. And the, the real key is just finding a translation that you're comfortable with, because if you're comfortable with it, then you will read it. And that's the whole point of our Bibles. Lance, good question. Thank you very, very much. Here's a question from Jeremy. Um, Pastor, do you think the apostles made the right choice with Matthias? Or should they have waited for Paul, who was God's choice? Um, Jeremy, I'm, I'm going to be teaching that not um, this Sunday or the next. We're starting in the book of Acts, chapter 1, Sunday. I don't think I'll get it in the first two weeks. But at the end of that chapter, of course, is the decision that was made to uh, include Matthias among the um, the 11, the one who would take Judas's place. Uh, a couple of things that we need to understand. Between um, the beginning of Acts, Acts chapter 1, and um, Acts chapter 9, where, where Saul of Tarsus was saved and became the Apostle Paul, uh, there was a lot of time, years, went by. You know, the book of Acts covers about 30 years of history in the New Testament church. So a lot of time went by. So the apostles, had they waited, they would have had to wait for a very, very long time. But here's, I think, the real key, Jeremy. Um, Peter, not yet full of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit hadn't been given. Uh, Peter, a man of God's word, with his other ten disciples who would be apostles, Um, they did what the Bible said to do. 
Peter, using the Old Testament scriptures, quotes Psalms and says uh, we need to choose another for for to replace Judas. And then they did, depending on scripture, they did what the Old Testament method of finding God's will was. They cast a lot. And they believed that God was in control of that. Now, let me ask the question. Is it possible that if Peter doing what he knew to do, and he was being faithful to fulfill um, the instruction of the Old Testament, is it possible that God is, is going to let them make a mistake? This was God taking care of them. And I think, believe me, I think that they made the right choice with Matthias. Uh, they needed people to go now into Jerusalem and then Judea and then to Samaria and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. That was their commission from the very beginning. So I don't think they made a mistake at all. Further, I think people who who say that um, Paul was God's choice, um, I mean, it's clear that Paul was chosen by God for this commission. Paul makes uh, reference to it over and over, an apostle by the will of God in the openings to his epistles. Um, but uh, it wasn't for that last spot. Paul's ministry was completely different and um, groundbreaking, uh, his story-making. So um, um, God had it right. I think Peter had it right. He used the word. He did what the Bible told him to do. He did it the way that was traditionally Jewish. Remember, the church was exclusively Jewish from the beginning. And God got what he wanted. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Sometimes, and I just taught that on Friday night as we opened the book of Philippians. It's interesting because I'm in two brand new books. We're, we're starting Philippians on Friday night and um, Acts on this coming Sunday. So I'm in, in uh, using two new books. And in Philippians chapter 1, uh, we get to that verse, verse 6, and, and we live as though, well, God started the work, but we've got to finish it. Like God would let Peter and the others make a mistake that could derail the mission of the church. So, no, Jeremy, I think they made exactly the right choice. Uh, you know, when we get to heaven or um, as we look in the book of Revelation, um, there's 24 thrones. Twelve of them are for the apostles of God. I'm certain that Matthias is going to be on one of those. And people always ask me, well, well, what about the Apostle Paul? I don't think there's any problem at all with the Apostle Paul because what, what we're going to find is uh, he's going to be on one of the seats on the left or the right of Jesus, those two seats that James and John tried to get from Jesus uh, when Jesus was still alive. So it's okay. Here's an anonymous question that was called in. Uh, apparently they didn't want to be in or on the air. Uh, I would like to know if it's okay to go trick-or-treating during Halloween. I think it's okay to go treating. I don't think it's okay to go tricking. Yes, it's okay. Um, you know, we as Christians, we got got to just loosen up a little bit. Um, and, you know, we're, we're not the, the, the destroyers of all things fun. Uh, if your kids want to go and the place that you're going to take them is a safe place to go, um, then they get an opportunity to be light. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think there's a reason. Now, I know a lot of people are going to say, no, Halloween is evil and it's all about the devil. And Well, that's the whole idea of being a Christian. It's to go out and take a little bit of light into the darkness. So, um, yes, it's certainly okay uh, to let your children go, go uh, door to door. Um, just watch their candy intake and, and make sure that they're safe in the environment. And then I would add this. Um, I would not let my kids dress up like ghosts or devils or Dracula or, or anything wicked like that. Um, let them dress up like a Bible character. I always say this. I get these questions every year in October. Um, you know, dress your daughters up as Queen Esther. Dress your, your boys up as King David or some other Bible character. Um, and, and when people say, and I don't know if they still do it anymore, we don't actually get trick-or-treaters in my neighborhood. But, um, um, you know, oh, what are you dressed up? Well, I'm dressed up like King David from the Bible. It's an opportunity for them to witness as well. So, again, just make sure they're safe and don't let them participate in the ugly um, horrible costuming stuff of Halloween. And um, 
just know that the Lord is going to protect them. And I'm sure as a parent, you're going to be in there as well. So, yeah, it's fine to, to let them go. Uh, I think Christian kids ought to be able to have fun, too. I really do. Good good question. Thank you very, very much. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Here is an anonymous question, a serious one. Uh, I think a male. It's, well, maybe not. I can't tell that. Lust is destroying me. How can I overcome? Um, anonymous, I'm assuming you're a born-again believer. That's the first thing. Unless you're born again, you'll not be able to overcome lust. It's that simple. Um, trusting that this is conviction of the Holy Spirit. Here's the thing you have to start with. You have to understand that you already have overcome by the blood of Jesus Christ. Do you have enough faith to believe that? Sin shall no longer have dominion, the King James says, or sin shall no longer be my master, uh, the NIV says. Um, do you do you believe that? Do you believe that God has taken or given you victory, that you're more than a conqueror through him who loved us? Now, the answer to that question is probably no, because you're asking the question. But then you've got to understand uh, your mission now then has to be from uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna open the Bible I'm gonna believe everything that God tells me, and that's your real battle now. Do you believe what the Word of God says? If you don't believe it, you got to figure out why not. No temptation, First Corinthians chapter ten verse thirteen. No temptation is seized you except that which is common to man. In other words, everybody goes through these kinds of temptation, and then it says, "And God is faithful." It doesn't say you're faithful. It says, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Do you believe that? Now, I understand temptation. I understand the power of the devil, especially with pornography and other things. Um, But you've got to decide, is God stronger or is the devil stronger? Christ lives in me as a born-again Christian. The power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. And all you've got to do is have enough faith to really believe that. And if you really believe it, I'm not talking about theory here. If you really believe it, then you understand that you have already been delivered from it. And since you've been delivered from it, why would you run back to it? Now, I understand there's another dynamic at work. When we're being tempted, especially in an area like lust, when we're being tempted... um, we've got to replace that temptation with something that's greater, and that's a craving, a hunger for the Word of God. So all you have to do is, when you start to be tempted with lustful thoughts, you got to decide, okay, every time this happens, I'm going to pick up the Bible, and I can promise you one thing. If you're faithful in doing that, the enemy's not going to keep tempting you with lust. Do you really believe the promises of God? If you don't, then you're going to continue to lose the battle. We need to realize that as Christians, we're fighting from a place of victory. And too many of us, anonymous in situations like this, are fighting already having been defeated because we're not equipped for the fight. God's not going to just protect you and make the devil stop lying to you or tempting you. You've got to decide, I can fight this fight. Not by power, not by might, but by your spirit, says the Lord. That's the only way you can win. You, Anonymous, have evidently been trained to fight in your flesh. And your flesh is always going to lose, always, 100% of the time. Thank you for the question. Let's go to Penny from San Antonio on line one. Penny, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hey, Pastor Ron. It's Penny. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you well, Penny. Okay. Hey, I I was talking to a good friend of mine, and she follows um, Jesse DePlantis, oh and it just caught me off guard when she said that he had gone to heaven and back. And I said, I just don't think that's scriptural, and <laughs> he uses that point of when Jesus went, you know, to heaven and came back down to be with the disciples for 40 days, and then to use John 12, of where we will have greater gifts than he did when he was on earth. So I just... Just looking for some guidance and some way to comprehend it in my head too, because I don't think it's scriptural. But yeah, you know, Penny, thank you for the call. 
Um, let me tell our audience, Penny asked if I could hear her because she's always in a helicopter. She's a, a helicopter lifeline uh, attendant, so she's always in a helicopter. Penny, thank you for the call. A couple of things. One, Jesse Duplantis is a liar, uh, absolutely one of the worst, most arrogant false teachers um, that are out there and available. Uh, he is, relatively speaking, funny, and people like him. Um, he is almost a caricature of a preacher, certainly not a real preacher himself. But Penny, there's absolutely nothing that he says that's true. Even when he's mixing in truth with his lies, it makes his truth seem false. That's how bad he is. Uh, Paul said, Second Corinthians chapter 12, now Paul had been to heaven, but he said the things that he saw man is not permitted to tell. He didn't just say, well, you know, God told me to keep it between him and me. No, man is not permitted to tell. So it is possible that people are taken to heaven. The Apostle Paul was. We know that for sure. But if they were really taken to heaven, then they too would not be permitted to tell what they saw. And all of these guys that come back and sell these big stories and you've got a biblically illiterate, um, um, gullible fan base, and unfortunately that's what they are, they're fans, um, you know, they're just going to take it at face value and never question or never check. So uh, warn your friend, tell her, I, I'm, I'm only going to say this once and then it's up to you, um, but, but Jesse Duplantis is a false teacher, he is a liar, nothing that he says is true, and I can't tell you, Penny, the numbers, the sheer numbers of people that have been ruined by his false teaching. He is uh, an exceptionally wealthy man on the backs of the flocks that he so-calls ministers to. Uh, there's just nothing about his ministry commendable. Now, I have a long history with uh, Jesse Duplantis as a new believer, um, not knowing anything. Uh, I, I was listening to everybody, and he was one of them. And um, I, I, you know, I used to sell cars. I was a car dealer. And um, I, I just knew there wasn't something there. And I, I've actually seen Jesse Duplantis in person twice. And um, there's simply nothing at all um, that has any value at all. That's, that's sort of like um, um, spiritual pornography. So, Penny, he is really, really, really bad. Have your friend read 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and um, and see, does this conform with this? Um, you know, he started out with Jesus was rich and he wants us to be rich. Um, you know, when Jesus said uh, um, the foxes have holes and the birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Um, his his interpretation of that was, well, you know, they're luxury hotels, but, but they were already full. That's why he, he never had a place to lay his head. It's not that he was poor at all, that his seamless undergarment was um, a, a luxurious item of clothing. Just all of that is nonsense. And the reality is, Penny, your friend knows that in her heart of hearts. Um, if she's a believer... Uh, the Spirit of God lives in her. He's the Spirit of truth. So um, none of that has any value at all. One other thought, Penny. When when Jesus said, greater works than these will you do, uh, he wasn't talking about the quality of works. He was talking about the quantity of works. He's looking at his disciples, and here's what he means. He said, you know, I'm going to die. There's going to be a hundred of you or so who are going to be believers and followers. He said, but... When I'm gone and the Holy Spirit comes. And of course, we knew that on that first day of the church, there were 3,000 men alone who got saved. So that's what he was talking about. You know, Jesus had a, a ministry that was very local. His ministry was um, um, in, in a very confined geographical area. Uh, and he told his disciples, um, now go into the world. First in Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, and then the uttermost parts of the earth. And that's exactly what they did. That's the greater things, the greater works. It wasn't like, okay, I walked on water, so you can walk on water. It wasn't that kind of thing at all. 
And, you know, if you challenge any of these false teachers with that, well, let me see you walk on water. And, of course, they'll find a way, oh, no, you're, you're a skeptic and you don't have faith. These are horrible, horrible, horrible men. They travel around uh, together. They minister to the same people. And unfortunately, Penny, the same people keep supporting them. And the only ones getting rich in the process are the preachers themselves. They are a blight on the New Testament church. But even more of a blight is the fact that we who are professing believers don't have the discernment to know when we're being sold a bill of goods. So, Penny, thank you very, very much. Stay safe out there and up there, and bless your heart for the work you do. Hey, we're inside a minute, so let me just remind you that tonight here at Calvary Chapel, our men's, women's, and youth Bible studies uh, will be on at 7 o'clock. Uh, ladies, Paula will be teaching tonight, and I know they're in the book of First John, and you will have a blast with that. Uh, we've got 30 minutes left in the last day of October. This is the word to stand up for life, 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. We'll be back in two minutes. back to the word to stand on for life we're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR now here's pastor ron arbaugh welcome back to the second half of our program 340-9585 on this last day of october by the way i had the the, the halloween question um in the first half of the program it was called into the studio um, let me let me just share my heart on something else because I want to be clear that that uh, what is or is not a Christian position. Um, I, I was dismayed. My heart kind of hurt uh, last night, just on the news channel on on uh, ABC here in town. Um, uh, KSAT, I think it was our our ABC affiliate here in San Antonio, uh, devoted two hours of live programming time to the Dia de los Muertos parade uh, in downtown San Antonio. It was disgusting, an absolutely disgusting um, demonstration of of all that is ungodly. Um, the, the, the puppets, the, the uh, you know, they're on stilts and uh, just, just a celebration of all things evil. And... Um, Stuff like that, and I realize we live in a, in, a, in a Mexican culture, but Christians can't be involved in that kind of stuff. It's just simple. If you, if you love Christ, you understand that that kind of uh, ceremony is an abomination to God. We that there's nothing, um, there's no cultural excuse, there's no past that we get. So, you know, some of those same people say, well, I won't let my child go trick-or-treating, but then they'll have a little altar for a dead person or they'll, they'll uh, uh, celebrate Dia de los Muertos. Uh, we're not to have anything to do with that. So, so get your priorities in the right place. It doesn't matter that it's been done for hundreds of years or thousands of years. The only thing that matters is what does the Bible say about those kind of things? And we're not to have anything to do with that. And when we're messing around with the dead, the Bible says that's familiar spirits. Um, we're opening ourselves up to demonic oppression at the very least. So please, please, please uh, understand the difference. There's nothing um, compatible with our Christian faith with Dia de los Muertos. Here's a question from Nolan. Why is it that tongues are usually only found in charismatic churches and not others? Nolan, I think the easy answer to your question is that uh, only charismatic churches really de-emphasize the teaching of the Word, and um, they're there to give people an experience rather than to give them the Word of God. And by doing that, they're doing it in an unbiblical fashion, and that's one of the reasons that the gift of tongues... Um, is so controversial. You know, we see all of the abuses of tongues. 
um, in, in a lot of these, I call them crazy charismatic churches. Now, again, I want to say every time I use that phrase, I remind you, the audience, that we are a charismatic church here at Calvary Chapel San Antonio. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. I personally speak in tongues and, and treasure the gift. But when we walk into church and we see everybody doing it at once, um, that is an out-of-control, out-of-order, unbiblical manifestation of the Spirit, which means it's not really the Holy Spirit at all. And so the only reason I can say it's usually found in those kind of churches, Nolan, is because they don't care what the Bible says. They're going to practice what they want to practice. They're going to do it, um, and, and they don't care what the Bible says. They want a goosebump experience at church, and, and churches allow them to do that. And evidently it works only in so far as it keeps people coming to their churches. But the reality is it's unbiblical and dangerous to misuse or to abuse the gifts of the Spirit. You know, Nolan, it was just a couple of years ago, I think I had a man come in uh, to our church. And at the end of a, uh, a, a Bible study, and this particular Bible study, uh, we had so many people come forward and answer the invitation. I mean, clearly the Spirit of God was moving and people were repenting. It was just one of those days that as a, as a pastor we dream about. And uh, he came up and he was angry. He says, I can't believe that you dismissed the church without letting me speak in tongues. When do you speak in tongues around here? And I said, well, on Sundays we don't. We don't have time. He says, well, what if Jesus was right here and he told you to let people speak in tongues? And they said, Jesus wouldn't do that because Jesus wouldn't contradict his word. And he says, well, you're telling me that you know more than Jesus. And people just don't care. And that's why it's so important that we know what's true. In my Philippians study coming up this Friday, we're going to talk about uh, growing in the knowledge of God and in the knowledge of will, His will for our lives and in the in depth of insight as to the person and character of Jesus Christ. Um, you got to care about all of those things or you're going to be carried away. So, Nolan, that's the answer. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Brandy says, Christians say homosexuality is wrong, but Jesus never did. Why can't we accept them like Jesus did? Brandy, you need to read your Bible. Jesus talked about sexual immorality over and over and over. He talked about lust. And certainly Jesus would never accept a sinner, at least insofar as allowing that sinner to remain in sin, so my question to you would be, why don't you care about what Jesus cares about? He wants people in heaven. And Galatians chapter 5 and 1 Corinthians chapter 6 both say that people who live in a homosexual lifestyle will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, there are other sins that are included in those lists. But clearly, homosexuality and other forms of sexual immorality are in that list. So, Brandy, my response to you would be, why don't you care about the people the way Jesus cares about them? You know, we have sexuality is a gift that God has given us, but you see, he gets to make the rules. We don't have a right to question the rules. And as believers, our responsibility is to agree with Jesus. And Jesus spoke a lot about sexual immorality. He didn't speak about homosexuality specifically in his sermons or in his messages because in a Jewish culture in the time of Jesus, homosexuality was a problem that did not exist. In Israel, it simply didn't exist. Now, in other parts of the world, we know in Corinth, uh, homosexuality was rampant. We know the same thing was true. In Ephesus, we know the same thing was true in most of the ancient world. But it was described as a perversion in Brandy. Again, our job as Christians is to agree with our Jesus. So, he did. To want to accept somebody's decision to go to hell is to miss the point altogether. Here is an anonymous question. Is it better just to avoid relatives who believe they are trans, transgender, uh, in order to keep peace in the family? It's never 
better to avoid the truth just to keep the peace. Because there's no peace based on a lie. So anonymous, don't avoid them. They need to know that when they see you, they're going to hear about Jesus. And when somebody says, well, well, I'm trans, and I'm going to use the example of a boy who thinks he's a woman, just simple. Just just tell the guy, look, let's go in, stand in front of a mirror, let's pull your pants down and find out what you are. Let's do a DNA test, a genetic test. We'll find out what you are. It's the easiest decision any human ever has to make. What am I in terms of my gender or sexuality? I'm a male or I'm a female. I can't be both. I can't be whatever I decide I am. You see, I don't get to make those rules. We are made in the image of God. So don't avoid them. If you tell them about Jesus when they see you, believe me, Anonymous, they're going to be the ones who start avoiding you. So don't keep peace in the family. And if other people are saying, just give them a break, it's okay, live and let live, just say, you know what? I refuse to. I love them so much. I want to see them in heaven and not in hell. So I'm going to tell them the truth in love. Now, they may not think you're loving. They may call you judgy. They may judge you in the process. But that's okay. I think you can handle it. So, Anonymous, don't ever avoid the truth. Let's go to Harold on line one. Harold, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hi, Pastor Ron. It's been a long time since yeah, I've Yeah, it called. has, Harold. Good to hear uh, from you. It has. Yeah, well, thank you very much. I was, uh, I just came from uh, Bill Miller's, and I was hearing, if you don't mind, I'd like to add a little story about the Day of the Dead. Uh, okay. We have a friend that, well, she's a friend now, but we knew of her, and uh, we were eating here at the house, and I just happened to bring up the Day of the Dead because of when I went to my eye doctor, there was a lady there that her one of her parents had passed away, and she was very, very excited to go to the Day of the Dead. And I didn't make any comments or anything about it. But then here at home, uh, we were discussing, you know, the Day of the Dead. I really don't know enough about it to, I mean, I know it's not right the way I was raised, but uh, I think it's the way people were raised. And she had corrected me. She says, we don't call it the Day of the Dead. We call it All Souls Day. And I said, ma'am, if you don't mind it, to me, it, it seems worse to say All Souls Day. <laughs> but, you know, I respect everyone's, you know, religion, especially in the workplace. You, good night. You can't, you, you just, I don't know, you just almost can't have an opinion about anything, you know, black or white or good grief or anything. But she had said it's called All, uh, All Souls Day. And I just said, well, what do you get out of it? You know, I know in Judaism they have a thing, you know, they have something where it's called, you know, the memory of the person, you know. And uh, I, don't, I don't really know what Christians have, you know, to say. You know, I, I just think we'll see them all, you know, when we get to heaven. I kind of think that that's the way I was raised. But in Judaism they say, you know, blessed memory or may his memory be a blessing. And or hers, and that's about the end of it. But with yeah. Catholic friends, uh, this all All Souls Day seems to be a big, big thing in their life. Like I didn't want to say anything to her, but it's like they're missing out on something that they're still looking. To me, they're looking the wrong way. I'm not sure. saying not to remember the people that have went. Yeah. And, and here, let, let me interject here, because uh, I think it's important. You know, we, our opinion doesn't matter. And, and here, here's an opportunity. Every time somebody, you encounter somebody like that, and, and I, I don't care if it's a workplace or not, it's our responsibility to tell people the truth in love. And, um, you know, you can do it as simply as saying to, like, to this lady, you can simply say, you know, I, I can show you a much better way. It's all about Jesus. Look up instead of look down. And, um, you know, to give people the right to, I mean, we, we can't take away their free will, but, but to let them have an opinion or you, you, the term you use is, well, that's their religion. Uh, it's our responsibility to let them know that that's not true. Now, if you want to know what's true, I'll be happy to share with you, but, but what you're celebrating now is not true. And in fact, it is an abomination to God. So uh, I'm here. I can sh- introduce you to Jesus. 
And if they want to hear, then they'll give you the opportunity. If they don't want to hear, they won't. But that's okay. Don't worry about what people think about you. But we don't have the right to give people a right to their opinion without telling them what the truth is. That's very, very, very important. Paul says he was a debtor. In other words, he's obligated to both Jew and Gentile. And the reality is all religions are false, except Christianity. Only born-again Christians are going to be in heaven. And if we think that somebody, just because they're a nice person, because they were raised Catholic or because they were raised in another religion, it doesn't matter. When we're born again, the old is gone and the new has come. And I think it's time, Harold, because of the, the cultural divide that you talked about. I think it's time for all of us as born-again Christians to be just a little bit more uh, bold in presenting our faith and a little less concerned about being politically or socially correct. We're in the last days. There's no time to, to miss around. Now, I've had people tell me, I don't care what you think. I believe this. You believe that. I'm just as right as you are. And I can just say, well, if you don't want to hear it, that's okay. I'll be praying for you. But if you want to know the truth, then you'll know where you can find it. Thank you, Harold. I appreciate it very, very much. And it really is good to hear from you. It's been a long time. Let's go to Ruben from Seguin Online 2. Ruben, it is good to hear from you today. You doing okay? Yes. God bless you, Pastor Ron. I, I am doing much, much better. Thank you for praying for me. Thank you for everybody who who lifted me up. You know, uh, uh, I tell... I tell uh, uh, my, well, I, I told a, a guy that I met one time who was a brand new Christian and he, uh, he wanted to like, since I was a minister and you know, he, he says, man, I love the way you testify. I love the way you sing. I love how you minister through the songs. And he kind of like wanted to put me up on a pedestal. And I said, no, don't, don't ever do that, man. I said, look, I won't let you down. I said, but the only one who won't let you down is Jesus. So don't, don't look at me for the answers, you know, and, and, and I, I try to live by that, you know, because I don't want to, I don't want anybody to think that I have it all together because I don't. And last yeah. week was a, an example that I don't have it all together. Sometimes, you know, I listen too much to yeah. what the enemy says sure. and I shouldn't yeah. listen at all. And, and Ruben, we sure don't want to touch God's glory, do we? Exactly. We don't. <laughs> we don't. So, you know, I dare not do that. You know, yeah. I'm like John, John the Baptist. I love that you brought up, I think it was Friday when you were, you, you, had talk, you were talking about John the Baptist and, and something, I mean, it's always, always, you know, just stayed in my mind is what he said. You know, there's someone coming, coming behind me and I'm not saying this verbatim. He yeah. said, there's someone coming behind me whose sandals I'm not fit to, to tie. You know, and that's a big, big statement right there yep. for him to say, you know, and, you know, and I'm the, I'm the same way, and I, I can't, I cannot tie his shoes, <laughs> you know, I can't even wipe his shoes, you know, I can't, but, but praise yeah, and, God. You know, and Ruben, God that's, the kind, that's the kind of humility that uh, if we demonstrate that kind of humility, God can use us to do amazing things the minute we try to touch his glory the minute we start believing what people say about us uh, that's pretty much when we're disqualified from being used amen and i i never never want to get to that point to where god's gonna say man you're disqualified man but you know what i thank god that that thorn is in my side yeah you know and i mean and it's there yeah. and you know i you know there were times where i asked god to take it away but now just this morning, I was sitting outside in, in, in the morning glory and just sitting out there and watching the, the sunrise, and, and I was just thanking God. I was like, God, thank you, because even though I'm in a lot of pain and even though, you know, it's difficult for me, I thank God for your glory. Hmm. I thank God for your grace, and I thank God for your mercy. Most of all, I thank God for your strength. Mm -hmm. I thank you for your strength, you know, so... There, yeah, uh, I'll be quiet now. <laughs> and that's okay, Reuben. God bless you. Thank you, Reuben. You know, I was out running this morning when uh, when the sun just before the sun came up, and believe me, uh, although it was cold, I had to have long sleeves on and and huddling up as much as I could. 
Um, that sunrise was absolutely stunning. And uh, boy, what a great time to meet the Lord. Ruben, it's really, really good to hear you're doing better. Thank you, Lord. Let's go to Terry from San Antonio on line one. Terry, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Well, thanks for being on the air so I can call. <laughs> and uh, that's exactly right. And, uh, you know, it's amazing because the boldness that you show in talking about people and like Jesse DePlantis, and, you know, we go back a long, many years, we're old guys, but it's just so phenomenal to see in my walk with the Lord. Uh, how people are still being deceived so much. And I started using something after the joy of Jesus. So many people, and, and Catholics, and all of them, you got this and that and everything. And, and tell me if it's biblically correct and if it's wrong, uh, but uh, this is what I've been sharing since then. If you've got the wrong Jesus, you won't get the right heaven. <laughs> Does that make sense? It makes sense, but I would I'd change it to if you don't have the right Jesus, there's no chance of heaven for you. Well, they here's why because all of the all of them they've got a heaven promised. We're talking about the Mormons, the, yeah. the Seventh Day Adventists. They've got their own version of heaven. Okay, and but so I just stopped arguing or talking about anything. I don't argue with them. I simply share the truth, and you know it, it's so amazing to me with sadness in my heart. Yeah. But. Uh, but, but hey, if you got the wrong Jesus, you're not going to get the right heaven. <laughs> and then, what's that? Tell me what that's like. And uh, so that's uh, that's what I've been sharing. It's been working wonderfully, and yeah. thankfully. So well, Terry, you care you work. care enough about people that you want them to be in heaven. I and do. I think I think and that's like the do. key. Yeah. The the problem with that, of course, is people will call us judgmental and haters. Um, but you know what? We're tough enough. We can deal with that. Well, like uh, one time, many years ago, when this came to you, one of the uh, organizations, uh, the Mormons, uh, uh, you, yes, and you, I let them know, let people know that they were coming to get my do- my daughter at the time, okay? Uh, and uh, uh, you simply say, you know, I, I don't hate them, I just love Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so if you got the right Jesus, love them all you want. Yeah. But... Uh, Anyway, um, it's, 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 it's a battle. We know that. And uh, thank God we know the end, too. Thank you, Terry. God well, bless you. you. Thank See you. It. God bless you. Well, we are now inside about four minutes for the rest of the program. So I've got time for one more question. And I think it kind of feeds into uh, the conversation we've been having on the program. It's from Jason. He says, what is the true mission of the church? Um, Jason, the mission has a lot of different tentacles. But the, the, the primary mission uh, is the Great Commission. It's what I was able to teach uh, in Mark chapter 16 yesterday. Uh, go into all of the world and proclaim, herald, preach the good news. That's to everybody. Um, that's what the Holy Spirit is directing us to do. And so our job is to go and win disciples, not converts. I think our church in the West, you know, we're convert crazy because we want people to fill the seeds. We're to make disciples. And so that feeds into, we go share the gospel and that feeds into the next part of the mission of the church. And that's to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And in order to do that, you got to tell them who the right ones are. You got to tell them um, uh, very clearly um, that, that, that this is our Jesus. Um, if you have the wrong Jesus, if you don't have the Jesus of the Bible, then your hope is in something that will never pay off. And so we equip the saints for the work of ministry. That's what churches ought to be doing. But remember, everything that we do is to be light in this dark world. It's to win people over to Jesus Christ. And if we're not interested in doing that, then we've stepped so far out of our out of the will of God for our lives, then we can't possibly be in contact. And that's part of the problem with our church culture. We got people putting on light shows and concerts, and and pastors telling funny stories and trying to make everybody feel good and give them goosebumps. But the reality is, that's not our mission. Our mission, Acts chapter two, beginning in verse forty-two, Jason, is exactly what the mission of the church is. 
Once we're together, once we're saved, then we make disciples. And we do that by clinging to the apostles' doctrine, by being steadfast in prayer, by meeting together in fellowship. We need fellowship. Breaking the bread, the communion, the sacrament that we observe. So those are the things that we're supposed to do. It's not about what happens in the walls of a church. It's what happens when equipped Christians go outside the walls of the church. And churches that are are in the will of God are churches that are going to grow. They're churches that are going to win converts. There's always going to be new people coming in. And it's really, really important that we understand that. So that's the true mission of the church. It's not entertainment. It's not signs and wonders. None of that has any value. We go to church to, to, to first meet Jesus and then to be equipped to go introduce others to Jesus. I'll tell you a very quick story and then we'll be off for the day. Um, um, I was giving an invitation on a Friday night and um, I, maybe it's a Wednesday night. I don't know. Wednesday night, I think it was. And um, I just said, I'd, I'd love to introduce you to my Jesus. And it was a, a young woman who was in the church. And she was outside. She's on her way out. The service was over. And the Holy Spirit just wouldn't let her go. That The phrase, introduce me to Jesus? And so she came back in the building. Almost everybody's gone. She came back in the building. And she said, you said that you could introduce me to Jesus. What do you mean by that? And I explained to her exactly what I meant by that. And then she made a profession of faith. That's the mission of the church. But you need committed disciples to do that. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. Been a good show. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Remember our men's, women's, and youth Bible studies tonight at 7 o'clock. Uh, This is Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. I'll be back tomorrow, Lord willing, at 4 o'clock on AM 630 The Word. We'll see you then. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.